Coming up, we get an overview of what happened at Linux World, and we get an overview of a project to put low-cost computers in the hands of students, next on Novell Open Audio. Welcome to Novell Open Audio, the podcast that connects the Novell user community with what's going on inside and around the Novell universe. I'm your host, Aaron Quill. And I'm Randy Goddard. Randy, Linux World happened like last week. I didn't get a chance to make it out there this year, did you? I wasn't invited at all this year. Yeah. Well, luckily, uh, we happened to run into Guy Lenardi. Uh, Guy's the product manager over SUSE Linux Enterprise Desktop, and Guy got a chance to sit down, talk to us, and just kind of run through all the different announcements that uh, happened out there. You listeners out there might notice about two-thirds of the way through the interview, all of a sudden Randy pops in. Poof! Yeah. Out of nowhere, Randy appears because he was a little bit late to come to the recording, but that's fine. Late doesn't really bother us that much. What really bothers us is when you call the guest by the wrong name. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who don't know, Guy is uh, from France. That explains the accent. And, uh, you know, his name is spelled G-U-Y. So for us gringos... For us terrible Americans, we uh, we would pronounce that as guy, and uh, that's a that's a bad misstep on my part. Unfortunately, we didn't get that caught on tape. But um, let's go ahead and listen to the interview and uh, hear what we announced at Linux World. Today, Dave and I have invited Guy Lenardi into the studio to talk to us about some cool things that are happening on the SUSE Linux Enterprise desktop. Guy, hi, how are you? Hey, it's good to see you, Ernie. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been quite a while. Can you remind us, what exactly do you do for us? That's a good question. I'm product manager, so I'm responsible for relationships with the open source community in some cases, but we have such great people working on that that I don't really have to do any of that. But product management, gather requirements from uh, the field, that being our partners, our direct customers, uh, the different people that we interact with and that are willing to share with us what it is that the Linux desktop should be like. So product management around Susan Linux Enterprise keeps us quite busy based on the recent successes that we had and many other things. And I try to interact with as many people as we can and document all of our findings so that people in the open source community and our engineers can leverage that to make the best open source projects possible out of that. Do we provide you with Kevlar? Uh, In some cases, it's interesting. I mean, walking into a room with a room full of system administrators that have been doing Windows for 12 years and their CIO tells them, you're going to listen to him and we're going to do a pilot on Linux. Yeah, that that brings up interesting conversations. But uh, I was thinking community, you know, working with the community, there's got to be a lot of flack there. When you come to them with elements and proofs that say this is what people want, usually people tend to listen. If you have something to share with them instead of just bitching and money, to be quite honest. There is materials and things to be said. I think betterdesktop.org is a good example of that. Now we have more anecdotal feedback and and things that we want to be able to relate. And when people are willing to listen to that, it, it makes for constructive conversations. So basically your job is you go out and you talk to customers and you talk to the community and you collect all the requirements and things that people are asking for the desktop to do. And then it's your job to help talk to other people and prioritize which need to be worked on first, correct? 
So I'm not the only one. There, there's many people working on that. Michel Casey that you had recently on there is another one that's instrumental in that. But yeah, sometimes people come out with features far-fetched that would require a new project and five years worth of real-time development to be able to do that. But we still listen to them and we do our best to document it so it doesn't get lost. And it's more the uh, details and anecdotal things that would actually boost one particular adoption or one uh, proof of concept or one pilot to actually get over the edge and put them into production that are the ones that we're looking for right now. A little Samba tweaks here and there, a little change to Winbind, a little change to, you know, whatever project, that being GNOME VFS, Nautilus, Firefox, you name them. Those are the places where we're looking for low-hanging fruits that can optimize the projects and make those customers go into production. And just for the listener, that's a little poke at me uh, because Guy knows that I'm a developer and this is a lab Samba team. That's right. So, Guy, we asked Jean here today to kind of bring us up to speed with the latest things that are happening with SLED. We did have Michelle in here recently talking to us about, you know, everything that's actually in SP1. We know Linux World was last week. If you can kind of give us an update of what we announced at Linux World and some of the cool new things that are in development. I think that's a good idea. We had a busy week with Linux World last week, a lot of announcements. And if you don't mind, I think there'd be some interesting things to talk about there. Yeah, let's just go through the announcements. All right. Well, the biggest one you already know about is probably the Lenovo deal. So Lenovo announced that they were going to preload Suzu Linux Enterprise desktop on their very popular T-Series ThinkPad laptops. And I think it's uh, it's easy to argue it's one of the most popular business computers that is out there today. So we're really, really excited about this. I actually um, have one of those laptops <laughs> and, and, run, and run it. And I love it, especially the, the thing that really gets me is now that we have the fingerprint authentication. So that when I drop out to a command prompt and I do an SU, I can just swipe my finger. That is one of my favorite things. It's all about hardware enablement. I think that we're doing a lot of work with them, and Lenovo has proven more than willing and really interested into making the laptop actually work and get all the components and pieces there for, for their end customers. So we're, we're excited about that. Um, the ThinkPad T-Series machine is, is a great notebook, and I think I, I want to thank Sam Duzi and the others at Lenovo that have proven to be instrumental into making that happen. So right now we're busy. We did... We did one last year for very specific workloads and very specific customers. This is a broad announcement. It's the ability to bring it to typical business users and have them leverage at ThinkPad. So that happened on August 6th, so just a, just a few days ago. Let's go into that a little. Is that just a public announcement? We like each other, or is there actual development working together to make the ThinkPad work with Linux? You know, if, you, if we look at milestones, just a few hours ago, Andreas Jaeger released to Lenovo one of the first builds for them to look at. So engineering work is happening right now. The validation of the proposals in terms of everything that will require it to be a first-class preload is taking place. So it's all in place. The SKUs are going to come out, and we're just going to allow people to buy ThinkPads with Susan Linux Enterprise Desktop preloaded on them. And I think we can say integrated on them. Yes, Integrated right. is a good word. Okay, what about the announcement with IBM and the open client? That happened last week as well. We've been working closely with IBM for a number of years at Novell and Suzy as well. With the acquisition and everything else, the tight relationship between, between the two companies has continued to be. Um, back in February... Uh, IBM announced their open client strategy, which was a way to them to uh, bring open collaboration client solutions to their customers. That revolves around Lotus Notes, Domino, and, and a bunch of other softwares like Lotus Same Time and the Expediter. What uh, we were part of that announcement in saying that the openness to it is its support for Linux. So it was a big deal for many IBM customers that use Notes today because it made available to them 
a native client for nodes on Linux. And we have many of our early adopters that are using Linux in production that today are using the IBM Lotus Notes client. So we're really happy about that. That managed workplace client has a lot of functionalities that go above and beyond what was available to those customers in the past. So one of the things that we announced last week was the realization of that vision that IBM had, which provides their customers through IBM sales and their sales channels the ability to buy with a single SKU, Susan Linux Enterprise Desktop with the IBM managed workplace client installed on it. Oh, okay. Is that the only product SKU that IBM does that provides that functionality? It's an interesting question. It, it turns out that, and I can say that openly, IBM has remained, and I think it's all to their uh, value, uh, pretty vendor neutral when it comes to Linux. They're, they're supporting both us and Red Hat and others as well. I think that by doing so, it really proves that Susan Linux Enterprise Desktop is a key Linux distribution on, on the desktop for them, and they realize that. So One of I, their equals, a peer of those other products. Um, that I can't say. I, I don't know. I, I, I think that based on the level of investment that is required for us to do that initial preload, and there are many things into that. When you look at very large enterprises like IBM, in order for them to be able to accomplish this, there are a lot of side points that need to be put in there. I, I won't go into some of the details, but you can think of providing the right level of support and DSLAs that are going to be put in place, etc., are very important for them. And, and we're doing all that. It's quite exciting, honestly. I don't know whether or not uh, we'll see others, but for us, in terms of user segmentations, pilots, application migration, a lot of those processes require tight relationships between our services groups and theirs, and, and we're putting all that in place today. So one of the big benefits of SLED is having that automatic update so mm -hmm. that uh, when a new piece of code comes out, it comes back, it talks to our servers, your workstation talks to our servers back here at corporate at Novell and downloads that to them. Is the IBM Open Client going to be part of that then for those customers or how will they be getting updates? Absolutely. A big part of our subscription model is to guarantee that we're going to provide maintenance for those customers and the IBM Open Client customers will be able to take advantage of that and, and benefit from that. So uh, absolutely. We're going to set up uh, specific things. There are a few different between the version of Susan Linux Enterprise Desktop that's included in Open Client and the one that we typically make available to our customers, all that based on optimization and changes that were required by IBM through their customers in many cases, will have update channels and it will be available through our standard maintenance processes for Open Client customers as well. And is SLED that modular that we can easily put together, assemble versions suitable for a partner contract? Yeah, it requires work, of course, but uh, it's it's in our best interest to actually address the needs of the, those final customers and partners. So, yeah, we have productized our Linux distributions in such a way that we are capable of doing that. I frequently refer to it myself as flexible deployment infrastructure that allows us <laughs> to do things like that. It's not the first instance of that. If you remember, uh, back a while ago, you, you guys were talking about the ISSLE, the integrated uh, suite that, yeah. that we've done with other partners. Um, that's another perfect example of the modularity of the Linux distribution. And by nature, by being LSB compliant and using RPMs and our build processes allow us to do that. So, yeah, we are indeed. And Randy has just joined us. Uh, hello, Randy. Hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, welcome to the interview. Thanks. <laughs> it's good to be here. Now, I understand also there was a big announcement, Guy, about this OpenSUSE build service. What sort of improvements do we have there? That's something I'm interested in. What's going on? 
Yeah, you know, I think you guys are going to bring in the, the OpenSUSE build service directly in. I think the most interesting parts of that press release for me and the momentum behind it, it's just, it's the second year anniversary for OpenSUSE. So I think it, it deserves a big round of applause. The project's been there for two years and it's been doing pretty well. In terms of the build service specifically, what we announced is that there is over 700 projects in there and something like 20,000 software packages hosted on it. So pretty significant amount of it there. And the other part for it was that we disclosed AMD has been helping us build momentum and gain traction with it. And I think that needs to be recognized in your podcast because they've been a, a great partner of ours and their involvement in the OpenSUSE project in general and the build service in particular is important. And the last piece of it was the announcement of the first beta for 10.3. So if anybody listening to this that hasn't had a chance to get a copy of it yet, it's it's out there on OpenSUSE.org. So definitely give it a roll for us. Download give us it. Feedback. Yeah, download Looking it. It's awesome. That. And, and I should mention, uh, Dave and I are going to head over to Germany in the next couple of weeks, and we will get a chance to sit down with the guys that run AutoBuilder and get a update from them and just have them do a brain dump to us. But just so uh, listeners who aren't familiar with what AutoBuild allows you to do, you, as a developer, can take your source code, you can upload it to our AutoBuild servers for free, and what we will do is we will then use our servers to automatically compile your code and all of the dependencies. And what's neat is it doesn't just do it for the SUSE distro. It actually does it for several different distros out there and uh, really makes building uh, for multiple distributions very, very easy. You know what? I have a call to action for you guys here at Novel Open Audio. When you do that, do me a favor and do an interview of the Kiwis guys as well. It's a new project we've been working on, and I'm sure your listeners will be really interested to hear about that. W what is Kiwi? Ask them. You're not going <laughs> to... <laughs> Ooh, a teaser. Yeah, I want to remind everybody, and, and if you can, please, one way to contribute to Open Source is just by giving us feedback, that being for the podcast itself, for Open Source in general, that being the distribution of the project. We want to hear more about you guys and find out that's what makes the product better because we can't come up with the things you guys need unless you tell us about it. Got to agree with that. Most open source projects have open places where you can contribute your comments. Often it's a lively atmosphere where the discussion is aggressive but rarely offensive. It's well worth engaging. Okay, Guy, we've got one more announcement to cover, and that is uh, one of our customers, Elcott. Can you tell us about that announcement? Yeah, a few weeks ago, we announced that uh, San Diego, the San Diego Unified School District, to be precise, actually was going to roll out um, Susan Lakes Enterprise desktop to their customers. And uh, it actually ties really well because it turns out they're doing so in a one-to-one -one type program that we've been very involved in. The education market, or I should just say education in general, is something we're really interested in. We see, we see that as a great way to go. And that takes us into the public sector organizations that are related to local, state, and federal government. And Elcott is the Tamil Nadu um, government um, branch that is responsible for a lot of their IT work. And in working with them, we've actually announced last week at Linux World a deal where they would actually be rolling out 30,000 Linux desktops and just under 2,000 Linux servers running Susan Linux Enterprise uh, over the upcoming month and year. So wow. their whole IT infrastructure is moving over to Susan Linux Enterprise, which is pretty exciting. Now, are these existing workstations? Are they new workstations or a combination? For a lot of that, they're existing. It's part of a transition and migration and upgrade. A lot of it is also provisioning IT to some of the resources, state and local, that didn't have them in the past. 
Interestingly enough, and I think it's a great way of showing momentum, they have themselves, Elcott, produced a video of their success story. And if you go to YouTube.com, you can do a search for it and you'll find uh, about Sizzlelix Enterprise Desktop and Tamil Nadu information about it. So um, I would invite you to go look at that. The press release is only a press release, but there is actually a video out there of these guys disclosing how they were being able to do that. And, and I think it's a great uh, testimony for us. And it's uh, pretty exciting to see customers going to that extent. So let me get this straight. This is a customer who we didn't approach them and say, hey, can we use the information that you've given us as a success story? This is someone who, outside of marketing, even even probing them or poking them to say, hey, give us some information. They went out on their own and provided their own little video about their success story. So we got to be careful here. You're partially right. We're always obligated. If we're going to disclose a customer name, they have to, to approve of that, and, and etc. But uh, indeed, they've been very proactive in going out there and communicating. I mean, one of my favorite quotes is that when they came out and said, the open source software in Susan Enterprise is superb. I thought wow. that, was, that, was, that was pretty, pretty big. But yeah, they're very proactive. They're a great customer. They're showing a passion for IT. They're making their work very personal, which is something I love to see inside of our customers. And, and being able to help them being successful is something we should all strive for. Excellent. And the great thing here is, even though it's YouTube, this is suitable for work. <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> what about the Dell announcement? Wasn't there something with Dell? Dell, during their keynote, um, I went a, a little plug for Novell. I was really excited to see how much of their demonstrations they've actually showed quite a bit. And everything they did was on Susan Linux Enterprise. So during the CTO's Kettler's keynote at uh, Linux World, Dell showed a lot of it. And with others of our partners, like UniGraphics, for example. And they've mentioned that they have the intention as well to preload Susan Linux Enterprise desktop for specific markets. And in particular here, we're going after the largest market the People's Republic of China. So oh, I'm, cool. I'm looking forward to our working with them. And they have some of our best technical engineers at Novell working with them directly. So I know they'll be very successful in preloading Suzanne Enterprise Desktop on their Dell systems. That's one. And another partner of ours is Wise, is the industry leader on FinCline devices, who disclosed in one of their press releases that they're working with us. And well, we're not quite ready to do that. I'm really excited that they're showing uh, leadership there and going forward themselves and, and putting that out there. But uh, you were talking, uh, Dave, about modularity of Suzanne Enterprise, and it's just showing our ability to create images that are supposed to fit and be Suzanne Enterprise on the 128 megabytes flash RAM uh, module. <laughs> so I remember Wise Terminals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're doing that. And so that was yet another announcement. So just a few of them. I'm sure we're missing some, but it shows how much activities took place last week. And it was San Francisco was a good place to be in last week. San Francisco is always a good place to be. I figured you might say that. <laughs> well, Guy, thanks a lot for swinging by the studio. Thank you very much for having me. Merci, mon ami. Guy, that was a great interview. Thank you so much for, for helping us out. And, and it's almost like being at Linux World. Yeah. So coming up now, then, we've got this interview about getting low-cost computers into the hands of school kids. What's up with that, Aaron? Yeah, we got a chance to sit down and talk to Norm O'Neill, who's one of the directors or president of the Indiana Novell Users Group. And Norm is working on this real cool project that they've got in Indiana where they have money from the state that's available to them to help get 
students in front of computers and in the classroom at a very, very low cost. So Norm actually digs into it, explains to us what type of computers they're doing, what operating systems they're running, and all sorts of things. So let's go ahead and listen to Norm. On the phone, we have Norm O'Neill from ESI Technology Advisors. He's a Novell Practice Manager, and ESI Technology Advisors is a platinum partner. Norm, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot. What we're going to talk about today is the Indiana Access Program as a real-world deployment of SUSE Linux Enterprise Desktop. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the Indiana Access Program? The program was brought about to, to help allow children to obtain computers in the classroom, affordable classroom computers, basically for every secondary student. The state calls it the one-to-one program. They're trying to get to a place where every child in high school would have a computer, and I think they're doing a very good job going about that. Considering right now there is uh, there are over 100 schools taking advantage of the program, and, and right now just over 10,000 Linux desktops in Indiana. We're talking about 10,000 computers. That's a really expensive project. When it was coming to investigating this, was open source software being considered as a way to keep costs low? It's been a proven fact that it's the only way to get this project going and make it happen for the children. If the State Department of Education did not do Linux, there's no way the program would have been a success or would have been successful as it is right now. Yeah, the open source in Linux is, is a must. And now, are you buying new machines for these students, or are you reprovisioning old machines, or kind of a combination of both? Nope. There's been a great program from uh, Dell and HP and IBM where we can actually get a very nice workstation for $299. There's a, a portion of the money that goes to each school. The hardware cost cannot go above $299 for the computer. We're actually getting 3.2 gigahertz machines with a half a gig of RAM and 80 gig hard drives for 299, which ship with free DOS on them. And then everyone has chosen to roll out Novell Susan Linux Enterprise Desktop on those machines. Now, I understand this equipment is actual on the price list equipment, and anyone who's interested in it can go find these PCs on the Dell, HP, and IBM websites. Is that correct? Yes, sir, absolutely. And we're going to provide links, I believe. You're going to provide us information about uh, where to to find these PCs. So we're not talking about uh, something special for this deployment. It's just off-the-shelf equipment. Correct. And if you mention the one-to-one program out of Indiana, Dell, HP, and IBM, they, they should know exactly what you're talking about. So was any investigation done into how much this would have cost with proprietary software? There are numbers on the website, and I apologize, I don't have the URL right in front of me, but uh, the numbers are astronomical. And I encourage you to search Google for uh, the Indiana Access Program. You can see the numbers. But were any compromises made because we were using open source software in this case? I haven't found any. We've found great success. Now, there's a place for it, and that place is in high school English labs, classrooms. You know, before you'd walk into a classroom, there's 30 desks, 30 students. Now you walk in, there's 30 computers with the students, you know, plugging away, doing their thing, online and connected. It's a beautiful situation for everyone involved. Now, is this like a lab that teachers can somehow reserve and then they move their students in there? Or are these just plain, we now have 
these classrooms stocked with computers, ready to go every day when they come in, they're able to log in, uh, so on and so forth. Awesome question, man. These are English classrooms that are above and beyond the labs that are full of computers. These are actual classrooms. Now the teacher's job is changing. And I, there's a couple of quotes that I think that are very important from teachers here in Indiana that have been involved in the program. And you'll hear that open source software has provided our schools with resources we only heard about to being leaders in their implementation. So if you think about that, you actually have teachers that are utilizing technology to teach. It's been an awesome effect on those teachers. You're, you're starting to see teachers that were going to retire. They're saying, hey, I want to stick around and learn more about this. So it's been great. There, there's other quotes like affordable access to technology transforms students from being scribes to publishers and teachers from grading grammar to grading writing. So you're taking it all the way to the classroom, utilizing open source software and Novell Linux, and it's just it's awesome. So I, I assume these teachers are using OpenOffice for the word processor? Yes. You're even beginning to see schools, District 118, Danville, Illinois, they're teaching OpenOffice. They're using OpenOffice. They're teaching OpenOffice. And it's, it's part of everyday computing now. And that's actually real cool because I know out here in Utah, we've got a school district that just upgraded to Microsoft Office 2007, and they asked all of the parents in the district to go out and buy upgrades to 2007 so that their students could use it at home. And what I like about this, since they're using open source, is everybody can work on their stuff in the classroom, and then they can go home and they can use the exact same version of OpenOffice at home. doesn't matter what platform they are on at home, you know, whether they've got Macs, Windows, or Linux at home. They're able to do their homework at home on the same product. So besides English classes, are you using this other places within the schools? You're seeing it. English classrooms are, are where the, a lot of the success comes from. You're also seeing the Linux desktops in libraries and media centers. Have you heard of the Omni Desktop Multiplier, Linux Desktop Multiplier? I think I have. Is that where you've got one Linux box and you can have the equivalent of six or eight uh, virtual machines off that? Exactly. You can go six to one. So you walk into a media center. Instead of having six Windows XP machines there, you have one SUSE Linux Enterprise Desktop with the multi-head video cards connected. You take advantage of the multi-user kernel. And now, all of a sudden, you're uh, presenting six sessions uh, via one computer. And we're, we're seeing it. So to answer your question, media centers, English classrooms, and then really all over the school where it fits. I mean, you can replace a $1,200 machine with a $300 machine, um, especially with no what Novell's did with licensing. I know through, through July 31st, they had a $5 special for K-12. You could buy a sled for $5. So the cost, the stability, the desktops are secure. And I know we're going to talk about Zenworks Linux management. Now we're able to lock the desktops down. So they just last forever. So you're using ZLM to uh, control these desktops then? I mean, yeah, that was some of the pain points. Before ZLM 7.2, we had to make modifications. We had to use, you know, in our environments where I worked, we used Clonezilla for imaging. We had to use the KDE desktop, which isn't a bad thing. Personally, most of the people that I know, we like the GNOME desktop. We like the Novell application integration with that. So once Novell released the ZLM 7.2, we can now use the imaging piece. We can lock down the workstations with policy management, so on and so forth. So it's super cool. And you don't turn up at a school district and drop 10,000 PCs at the door. 
this has got to have been something that took a bit of organization. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, you have to sit down. A lot of times, we, you know, I'm here at Madison Grant School Corporation and uh, here in Indiana right now. And, you know, you come in, you sit down with the, the IT directors, and it really you get to manipulate computers around. All of a sudden, more children have computers. I mean, we're not getting rid of any unless they reach the end of life. And we're manipulating them, moving them to other classrooms, to the media center, and so on and so forth. But just imagine, we just put in 90 new computers. That's 90 more machines every day that a student gets to use, that these students are going to use. And this is a state program, so funded from the state government? It is. It's a state program. It's based upon free and reduced ratio. You know, low-income children, low-income areas. Depending on your free and reduced children, the ratio is how much money that the school system gets from the state. You know, a friend of mine here at Madison Grant, I believe Mr. H received $76,000 from the state. Did the state mandate how that money was to be spent? They do as far as 10% of that can go towards services, another percentage of it goes towards hardware, and then licensing. So they they do break it up, and I encourage you to visit the uh, one-to-one access program website for more information on that. And who makes the decision on which equipment to buy, which software to buy? Basically, it goes to the IT director for the school corporation. When we sit down, we look over. We've had great success with the HP hardware. We do not have any problems with the network card. We don't have any problems with video cards. They just work very well with the enterprise desktop running on them. But with that being said, it's it's all per what the IT director likes because you can make it work with IBM and Dell just fine. And that means, uh, I guess, that you're working with those hardware vendors as well? We're working with Novell's Linux team, Mr. Don Bosberg and these guys. We keep everybody in the loop. We're working with Dell to make sure that, you know, as software gets released, as new hardware gets released, that the OS, the drivers are there, so on and so forth. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. So the hardware manufacturers are ensuring that these $299 boxes you're getting, that they do have video drivers and sound drivers that run under Linux, right? Yes, sir, absolutely. It's critical that when they purchase the hardware, that they say, hey, this is for the one-to-one program, and it has to work. Now, Aaron, I've seen people purchase the wrong hardware, but that goes back to partnering, getting involved with someone like ESI or Five Star Technology Solutions or Integrity, people that understand the program and then have been down this path. Otherwise, you'll end up with a truckload of machines that Linux won't run on. You know, but that, that rarely happens. So can we talk about real quick what happens when a school district orders new machines? So they order these from IBM, from Dell, from HP. Then what happens? You said they, they come with a copy of FreeDOS? They do. They ship with FreeDOS on them. And then do you typically re-image these machines, or do you just install SLED and then use ZLM to drop the applications down? Or how exactly do you do that? Well, here's what we do. We, we bring the machines in. It's been great this week. We actually have some students working here at the school, so they'll get all the computers set up. I do want to mention that part of the buy-in program helps the school systems buy desks for the computers. Ah. And I'm going to send you guys pictures of the classroom when we're finished with this call. I think you'll be very impressed. The, the flat panel monitor sits down into the desk, so the student still has desk area for when they're not using the computer. But beyond that, the computers come in, you get them set up. We come in and we install System Linux Enterprise Desktop Support Pack 1 on the machines. And then we follow Novell's best practices 
on pre-cloning tasks. And we get the machine ready, then we image it up to the ZenWorks Linux management server, and then we bring them back down. We follow the proposed cloning tasks and prepare the machine to uh, properly connect to the Novell Customer Center and get itself registered. <clears throat> and then every machine on the network, every Linux <clears throat> machine on the network has its own identity. We just follow best practices and I'll send you the article link that we follow, and it just works very well. And yeah, we use uh, the ZenWorks Linux management imaging server. But during that process, we also create a desktop policy and uh, different things for the Linux desktops as they get imported into the directory. Cool. Can we take a second here and really talk about the student experience? My first question is, as a student, am I assigned a desk and a computer, or am I allowed to sit in any one of the machines in the classroom? Well, that gets a little bit beyond my experience. But what I have seen is that, you know, the kids come in and they just sit down in the labs anywhere. Now, in the English classrooms, they have a specific desk that they sit at. And then we use... Uh, there's been one other pain point, and we discussed this briefly, is the uh, single sign-on with LOM and, and different things like that. So we have a script that's been custom-written that when the student logs in to the Linux desktop, it will automatically log in to uh, eDirectory via the Novell client. But there's, there's been a custom script written for that single sign-on while we wait for the client team to get all that squared away. And who did that customization? A young man from... Uh, District 118, Danville, Illinois, school system. Sam, I forget his last name. I wish I knew. A student. Yes, sir, a student. <laughs> Excellent. Well, he's a, no, no, I apologize. He's a young guy. He could be a student. He, he's actually on staff with Mrs. Crystal Powell there in Danville, Illinois. She has literally hundreds of Linux desktops, hundreds and hundreds, and she doesn't even get grant money. That's another great thing that I, I think is a very good point that there are school systems out there that, that are not involved with this Indiana Access one-to-one -one program that are still deploying Linux desktops. And are they doing that just because they effectively have no choice because other schools have this Indiana Access program driving them to Linux, or are they doing that because they really think there's some value there? One of the big things is cost, um, low cost. I think we're able to to help the IT directors understand, hey, we can cut your costs by, you know, 40 or 50 percent or even more if you go with a SUSE Linux Enterprise desktop. If you do that, we can cut your costs on Microsoft Office, uh, so on and so forth, and now we can manage it with ZLM. So you're starting to see corporations that have very large IT budgets deploying Linux desktops in their libraries and in different places where a person, all they're going to be doing is browsing the Internet and doing minor things. But, but keep in mind, that's, the machines aren't just kiosks for browsing the Internet either. I mean, we're using iFolder. iFolder is a heavy hitter here in Indiana. You're using Scribus for desktop publishing software, Blender for 3D graphics and animation. Uh, there's Celestia out there, the space simulation software. So we're doing a lot with these Linux desktops, and as time goes on, the development towards the Linux operating system is just it's getting better and better by the day. All right, playing devil's advocate, how real world is a program funded by the state really because of funding drives you towards the lowest cost solution. How real world is that to anyone listening to this podcast? How real world is it? Oh yeah. Oh it's it's real world. I mean 
I, I bet my entire career on his success. I'm, and I bet my entire career on being able to be successful by helping people understand that it's okay to do low-cost computing and stable, secure computing with uh, Novell Linux. Now, now I sound like a, I sound like a infomercial, but the thing is, if you try these other distributions, they can get you online, but they can't get you to the data center, right? In the uh, Linux Enterprise Desktop, we're able to connect to the data center and get our data, our printers, and everything that, that drives our day-to-day business. But real world is, I mean, it's real world. We're talking 10,000 Linux desktops right now in 100 schools here in Indiana. There's 100 schools doing it, and then there's, there's another 202 schools in Indiana with a school license agreement. So it's it's real. My question is, um, how about Linux in general? I mean, I assume most of these kids have probably either PCs running XP or something at home or a Macintosh. Have you had to do basic Linux training to the students, or have you found that at this point the desktop's evolved enough that you can just kind of throw somebody behind it? Support Pack 1 with, with on SLED is unbelievable. And the kids are just sitting down. I mean, kids nowadays are... They're extra smart anyway, so they they just hit the ground running, and they, they don't care if it's Windows or Linux. They, they really don't, as long as things work. I mean, the, we as network administrators, we need to make sure the stuff works on the front end or, or they'll get a bad taste in their mouth. But before we leave, we make sure everything's squared away. Now, it's the training comes involved with the local network administrators and the knowledge transfer. We have to keep everyone up to speed on what's new at Novell what's Novell doing with Linux and so on and so forth. And it's, it's been great because of what Novell's doing in the data center. Your network administrators are learning Linux by default because of Open Enterprise Server 2. So now that that's coming out, everyone's excited in the data center side. So when it hits the desktop, it's, it's been a piece of cake. Now, Linux being the way it is, you're not going to get everything you need just from Novell. And even if you do get everything you need you're going to find all sorts of things that are interesting elsewhere. Are you finding that you're only coming to Novell for pieces of this solution? Are you going out and picking up gems from elsewhere in the open source community? For me personally, I'm only going to do Novell Linux. Now, I'm also the president of the Novell Users Group of Indiana. If you visit www.nugi.org, N-U-G-I, you will find a lot of people out there that are saying, hey, that's cool, but you can try this, and it's a different flavor of Linux, or it's this or that. And I respect that. If you ask me, I'm sold out on Novell Linux. If you ask the community, I think there's people out there that are still open-minded, but still you find that the other distributions don't connect as well to the data center. I'm thinking more I'm thinking more of individual applications. You can go out there and you can cherry pick on just one application that's of interest. I, I'm imagining there are going to be some schools that discover science, uh, mathematics, and other applications that they can deploy. They can go out and pick those to suit themselves. I agree. I agree that they could. And what but really and that's a that's a good thing that people are starting to say, hey, well, Will this app run on Linux? You know, what about this distribution? It's a great thing, and it, now the choice is there to do Linux or Windows. You know, instead of everyone being totally, uh, nearly forced to do Windows. Now, ESI Technology Advisors is a Novell Platinum partner. Real-world deployments. We've got this giant school program. Are you finding that your other clients are able to take advantage 
of the knowledge that you've gained from this program and that you're able to take that knowledge and to bring it to bear on corporate solutions? Sure. Well, here's what we've done. I'll give you two examples because I know you don't have much time, but we, uh, Feewell Hanoi is a big law firm downtown Indianapolis. They have hundreds of Linux desktops. They had Linux desktops when it was NLD9, and they connect to the data center via Citrix presentation server, pull their apps from there. I just came off a very large project at Cabelco Metal Powder of America in Seymour, Indiana, where we did the very same thing. About 50 of his machines reached end of life, his desktops. So instead of buying Windows XP or Windows Vista, we replaced those machines with not 299 but 199 $199 machines, put SLED 10 on them, and uh, did Citrix presentation server in the data center, which he already owned. So we, it was just sitting there running. We took advantage of it, brought our Citrix guys in there, and now he's taking advantage of lowering the cost of his Microsoft Office and all these other apps by removing Windows from the environment and putting SLED 10 in. So, yeah, it's, it's corporate America one at a time. I mean, all we have to do is get out and talk to them. Everyone we've been able to talk to is very interested or they pulled the trigger and went with the enterprise desktop. Okay, I just got a note that that PC costs less than my universal remote control at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, they've, they've done a phenomenal job with cost. And those machines are nice. I mean, they run Linux very well. So, Norm, you've mentioned the Novell Users Group of Indiana several times. Tell us a little bit about that. Noogie is what we like to call it. Noogie was formed just after BrainShare in 2006. We grew from two corporations to just over 150 corporations. Uh, we, as members, we won the 2006 uh, Most Outstanding User Group from Nui. That's Novell Users International. It is. And we we work closely with Mr. Brent Sharp, and we just had a great go at bringing the community together. I mean, we, we realized a few years back that Novell community here in Indiana is very large, yet no one knows each other. Now everyone knows each other, and I, I just encourage everyone to visit www.nugi.org, use the username guest and the password of guest, and uh, take a look at our pictures, our forums, our events. I mean, we had uh, Mr. Jason Williams out. We had Bill Prey out before he left the GroupWise team. We've done some great things for the community, and it's I think that it's, it's been huge for Novell as well. And I just I, I appreciate the plug and ask that people visit the website and take a look at, at our success. We'll, we'll provide a link and the credentials that you mentioned. Now, now what does a user group like that do? Is, is it a self-help group? Is it uh, just a place to, to chat? We have online forums that are usually there's very good material in those forums. And, I mean, we're sponsored by Visual Click Software, ESI, Five Star, SyncSort, Integrity Networks, Nui, Group Link Corporation. So we meet quarterly. We have speakers come in, and we talk about directory-driven software, what people are doing, what, you know, what Novell's doing in the future, the future of group-wise. We just try to keep everyone up to speed, up to date, and uh, provide an awesome place via our website for people to come and, and obtain information about Novell in Nobel software. Let's do the devil's advocate question again there. Obviously, a lot of the communication that goes on there is going to be what's good about Novell, but I hope you're also providing information about where there are problems and how to work around those problems. 
We do, and you know, we receive as a platinum partner, we receive very good information from Novell monthly, and what we're able to do is pass that internal information out, obviously with permission to the user community, saying, yeah, exactly, but get you inside Novell. Not not very many people get to get inside. And we've been able to do that by meeting with product managers and, and people that are in charge of what's going on inside and around Novell. So, yes, we try to keep everybody in the loop, good and bad. I mean, a lot of things you'll see on the website is people having problems, but there's a lot of experts here in the community in Indiana, and we're able to share information and, and help fix problems fairly quick. And I know that's got to be nice because one of the things that drives me crazy when I run into a problem is trying to figure out if it's me and something that I've misconfigured or is this something that a bunch of other people are seeing also. And it just makes troubleshooting a lot better and it gives you kind of that sanity check. I agree. I found something the other day. I was doing ZLM. I tried to put 7.2 on slash 10 support pack 1 and it wouldn't go, wouldn't go. I realized later, four hours later, that... Zenworks Linux management won't install on SUSE Linux Enterprise Server Support Pack 1. You heard I it here on November I went out to the website and post that and say, hey, look, don't try it. It'll just cost you a few hours until they patch it. Just little things like that. Share with the community, and, and you'll see that we grew to something incredible. We have an online store. We have Nuggie gear. That We have a lot of great things, man. How big's your membership? 150 corporations. That's over 200 people now. And that's www.nugi.org, and we'll provide links along with the podcast. Norman Neal, Novell Practice Manager with ESI Technology Advisors in Indiana, responsible for working on the Indiana Access Program, putting computers with SUSE Linux Enterprise Desktop into classrooms in Indiana. Norm, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot, Norm. Thanks a lot, guys. One of the cool things about that project that Norm told us about is it's happening in more than just one place. Actually, Guy referenced a similar program going on down in San Diego. It's neat to see stuff like this kind of rolling out through the entire country, and hopefully we'll see more of it worldwide. It's just cool because people, especially with this low-cost, low-powered machines, they're able to repurpose old machines they've got laying around or buy very, very inexpensive boxes for the students. It's a great program. Yeah. Now, Randy, I'm sure you're aware that OpenSUSE 10.3 is getting ready to be released in I'm about just another month and a half. To come out. In fact, last week we went to Beta 1. I just downloaded it. I'm going to load it on my production machine real soon here. Of course, my production machine is not a real production machine. It can crash any time. But Dave and I are actually going to go over to Nuremberg and hang out with a bunch of the engineers and get an in-depth overview of a bunch of the different modules that are in 10.3. And this is where we need help from our listeners out there. What we need you to do is if there's something in 10.3 or something about SUSE that you'd like to know, send us an email at openaudio at novell.com and give us your question or what you want to hear about and Dave and I will dig into it and try to fit it in when we're over there recording content. As a listener, can I request chocolate? Sure, Randy. We'll bring you back chocolate. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode. Thanks a lot. Remember that Novell Open Audio is brought to you by Novell Users International as well as Novell Incorporated. Most of our content is directed by our listener community, so please send us your feedback by email at openaudio at novell.com or by leaving comments on our website site at novell.com slash open audio. That's it for this time. Have a good one.